0: work podcast. my name is Dave Swong let's get ready to hustle Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 80 tonight. I am finally moved up here into Maine. So uh, really happy for all you Maine listeners out there. Uh, I am one with you. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, officially a Mainer here. I still got the New Hampshire license plates, but um, I'll, we'll switch those up soon. Uh, excited to have on tonight a gentleman that I met a while back and I've just kind of kept up with. And then it just kind of seemed like a good timing where I was like, damn, I'm in like Portland all the time. And you are on my mind anyway from like, from uh, just keeping up with you, man. So I'd like to welcome on Tanner Campbell from the Portland pod. Welcome, man.
1: Hey, man. Thanks for having me so much. I really appreciate this. Yeah, I love, I love hanging out with other audio nerds and talking about something that's not audio because it's hard for all of us.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you were a podcaster yeah. that created a podcasting space that's now on a podcast, so yeah, it's, it's very, like yeah.
1: it's very cool. It's very meta, I think is what they say, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm just appreciated that I'm getting any attention from anyone. That's great.
0: I'll Usually, I'm locked attention. in a room all day. You get attention, man. I'm I'm always paying attention to the people behind the curtain because that's me. You know. <laughs> So, for those of you that don't know Tanner or the Portland Pod, maybe you're in some other part of the country or something like that. Tanner owns and started up the Portland Pod, which is a podcasting and audiobook and uh, content creation center in South Portland, Maine. Here, helping people and businesses run their podcasts basically. Uh, I met Tanner. I'd say about a year ago right now at the NH podcast meetup in Londonderry, New Hampshire with Steve meter and that crew. And, uh, we just chatted for a little bit and then he talked at that event and I've just kind of kept up with him since that point. Uh, cause we do a lot of like things and he's a smart dude. So that's Tanner that. right here. I don't know about that.
1: Uh, I'm a guy who I think has been in the right place at the right time and is a little resilient, which I think is 90% of what you need to be successful in any endeavor, Uh, especially any endeavor as silly as opening up a podcast recording studio in Portland, Maine.
0: Hey, man, people, first of all, people don't like cockroaches, right? But when a nuclear bomb hits and they're still there, <laughs> they're the only life left what I mean so like there's still a good thing at that point not yeah. that you're a cockroach but i'm just yeah. saying like the resilience piece like i do think is significant and then i don't think that it's too crazy to open i mean you could tell me better than anyone in the world but to open up uh this type of thing in in south portland seems like a good spot to me i don't see anything else out there that's doing anything that you're doing
1: Yeah. Well, that is actually what made it good and bad. Um, There was a lot of, when I first started out, really before I properly incorporated in February of 2019, I had spent about since the previous September really educating the community. Uh, Most people here... We're not really on the podcast train. It hadn't really arrived yet. A lot of people knew what they were, but there were still a lot of those questions that not amongst the younger people, of course. They definitely knew. Uh, But Maine is an older state in general. I think our average age is up in the mid-40s or something. I want to say that that's right. Don't quote me. Uh, But so, there were a lot of those questions that are, well what is a podcast, and how's it different from radio, and how do I listen to it, and where do I get it? and is it free and does it cost money, and do I need special equipment? Do I have to have an iPhone? like all these- que- because they didn't really know. and really, about eight months after I showed up, which is stupid luck because I didn't move here to open up a podcasting studio. I, I moved here to take a job at the United Way. Uh, so it just so happened that eight months after I showed up, People started to, and maybe by virtue of there being somebody in town now that was just going way out of his way to get attention. Like I was going to every, <laughs> I was going to every chamber of commerce meeting that I could go to. I was, I was hustling and going to every meetup I possibly could. Which now, of course, we can't do it anymore. Uh, and I think that by virtue, some combination of just good timing and by virtue of the fact that I was out there so much and saying, "Hey, I'm the podcast guy. My name's Tanner." Questions about podcasts? Let's talk about that. Uh, that when people started thinking about it, they started thinking about me, which is really a great position to be in. Yeah, uh, if not a little bit of a scary one because you know this po- this podcasting studio <laughs> started as a desk in a co working space. Uh, so I wasn't really ready to have clients, uh, but I got them uh, quicker <laughs> than I was ready for them, which is Good. what allowed me to. Which is really what allowed me to. Um, to serve them at all without that first client I signed, which was Nancy Marshall of Marshall Communications. If that had not happened, if she had not paid me an entire year of service up front, wow. I, the podcast studio may never have happened. Because I, I used that money to build out. It was dumb luck. Like, that's half of it. So that's really my theory on, um, on how people find success anyway. There are these people who say, I, I built it all on my own. And then there's people who say, you built nothing. Everything is about who you know, you know, and somewhere in the middle is the truth that, yes, you have a path it 's not destined for you or anything i don 't believe in any of that stuff, but it's it 's the path that you have, and you don 't really have a choice about that path, but you do have a choice about what you do with the things that happen to you while you 're on it, uh, and I think that people who start businesses much like yourself uh, that you deserve a fair amount of credit for you know jogging to the right when you should and not zigging when you should have zagged uh, and I think there's a there's a soft skill in that that is developed over time as you fail miserably multiple times because I've owned like four other businesses and sold one which makes it kind of successful but three others failed uh, sure. and so the other half of it is just not quitting you know like not not believing that you should have got it by the time you were 25 because I'm almost 40 now Uh. You know, and it, there are a lot of people I see who are like in their early 20s, mid 20s. And they're like, oh, my business isn't successful. I'm like, Dude, what the fuck? You've got so much time. You have another <laughs> 20 years before you're as old as me. Like, what are you doing? Like, just keep trying. It's okay to fail. It's how you learn. Yeah. Success is a, success is a terrible teacher is what I say.
0: I think that's a really important thing that you said. Uh, because a lot of this podcast, I'll always say like, hey, I'm, I'm talking to five years ago me. You know, because a, a, like anyone, I learn a lot of stuff along this way. And like when you're when you're still doing it, you learn quite a bit over that time of like what you were doing wrong, obviously, and like what makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. And a big thing that I tell five years ago me is like overnight success is a 10 year thing. I say that on here all the time <laughs> because yeah. it's like it, people see people pop. And they see it hit everywhere, but they don't. They don't take the time to look backwards and, and analyze their life and see what made it so that they were positioned in an area to pop. Mm-hmm. Because you can be the like really naturally talented, and you can be amazing at networking. And like you were saying, like kind of like the middle between the two of like having some talent and having some networking ability and like knowing the people. That marriage, like somewhere that meets up, but it doesn't always like meet up like right away. Maybe you're like ultra talented, but like now you need to find people to connect with, or maybe like you're a great connector, but like you just don't have the thing to provide to all those connections. And I think that's the thing that gets lost a lot where a lot of people feel like in their mid 20s and early 20s, like it's supposed to just happen. And I feel like a lot of great things will not happen right at that moment. Maybe they, they can be the start of it and, and like, definitely don't want to, you know, discourage anyone at that age that like, it can't happen for you right now. There's people that are kicking my ass every day, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I talk about all the time is, is just that it will, it will take time sometimes. And sometimes it's also just about enjoying the process through those times, because having four businesses before forty, that's also significant, dude. Even if like you consider it failed or not, like that's such an experience. It seems, from my point of view at least, it seems like that would be quite the experience of life, dude, in, in that amount of years. Like forty years old to have four businesses before this time and then be doing something different at this time, that's pretty crazy. Like do you want to like do you want to tell people a little bit about that history? Like what did that look like coming up to this point?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a long one. It's funny that you say that success is a 10-year uh, journey because it's 2020, and the first time I ever put out a podcast as a creative, just touching the medium, was 2010. Wow. Uh, and, and I don't feel particularly successful in this moment, right? We're in the middle of COVID. This business could still very well fail, I mean, like anybody's business could right now, especially the smaller you are. We're a very small operation, Uh, But to uh, to talk about the start in 2010, I got a Yeti microphone, (laughs) which is what I now tell people not to do unless they have a really good room to put it in because those mics are very sensitive. Yep, uh, which is why everybody thinks they suck. And (laughs) uh, I started a just a news review and like YouTube video review um, podcast with my girlfriend. And it was called Tanner and Brittany at Night. Tanner and Brit at Night, I think is what I called it. And you Sweet. can still find it. Uh, it doesn't have any audio there, but it's still in the search engines. I'm 10 <laughs> years younger. I look much better than I do now. I'm a little jealous <laughs> when I look at that picture. Uh, and it was just for fun. And I think we did maybe like 10 or 20 episodes, episodes. They were nothing. And this overlapped with a really big personal event in my life where I was not happy uh, doing what i was doing i had been an i had had a very entrepreneurial style for a super long time uh, and to give you an idea of that if you go super far back uh when i was 14 my first job i ever had was at a was as a dishwasher at a place called paisano's pizza in lakeworth florida on lantana and jog it's not there anymore well it's still there but now it's like a fancy italian restaurant there's no okay. more crappy little italian restaurants anymore but this was a really crappy one uh, and I was a dishwasher there, and I remember on my, my second or third day, or maybe it was my first week, because I got the paycheck, and the paycheck is like, oh, man, it's really depressing. I just had to scrub really shitty dishes <laughs> all week, and I made like $250, and I was just really bummed out about it.
0: Uh, <laughs> You're because, like, this is not equate. This is not equate. Yeah, be,
1: because minimum wage there was like, I think it was like five twenty-five when I was that age. Nice. So like, I see $15 an hour and I'm like, whoa, I would die if I had that much money when I was that, that age. But of course, inflation. Uh, so I went home to my dad and I'm like, "Huh, how long until I can retire, man? You know, like half joking, but also not completely joking, <laughs> kind of serious, didn't want to work. Uh, and he said something like, my dad's very conservative, so he's very down on like any government program that has ever existed. Uh, and he says, well, the way this government runs retirement, you'll never be able to re- <laughs> retire. Like, he's really upset. There'll be no <laughs> money for you to retire. You're going to have to work another 80 years. And I was like, holy shit. That's, After such working, a long time that's such a long time when this already time.
0: sucks now.
1: If I have to work for 80 fucking years, man, uh, I better not uh, be doing something <laughs> like this. And I'm like <laughs> looking at the dishes and I'm like, not this yet. Uh, so that started an obsession that was the bane of my father's existence for my entire, the entirety of my youth, uh, where I would churn and burn jobs like this. And when I tell people this, which is what I'm about to tell you, nobody believes me. But I can still, if given about an hour or two to sit down and remember, name all these jobs. Uh, I've had 64 jobs since 14. So to give you the idea of oh, – now, now, a lot of people are going to say, like, that's more years than you've been alive. What, did you quit a job every month? Sometimes, yes, I did quit a job every month.
0: Wow. Um, so wow.
1: that those jobs have ranged from, like, I worked
0: one day at Hot Topic in the mall. But
1: that counts job. I got a paycheck for there for like one day.
0: Um, well, worked, one, one day, dude, you're like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, Well, I'm out. I
1: was working at Starbucks at the time in the same mall, and they wanted like a day's worth of help. So I was like, oh, I don't know, I've never worked in a clothing store. And then I was like, nope, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. Uh, not my people, cool people, but not my people, and definitely like not my thing selling clothes to people. Fair. Um, so... You know, they would run the gamut from stupid little jobs like that to, like, my dad got me a couple gigs as an electrician's apprentice in, like, labor-type jobs, digging ditches and stuff. And I worked at a place called Lion Country Safari when I was a kid, so I would, like, groom giraffes for a living, which was a cool
0: fucking job. It's like I working pet. for the Tiger King.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Um, oh. <laughs> but then, you know, I also did other jobs, like I ran the live streaming for uh, a racetrack company called RossNet and what they did is they would live stream and this was early like this was in the early 2000s they That's would live awesome. stream uh, the dog races at the at the kennel clubs in Florida and okay. so i got my hands on some i got my hands on streaming tech in the early 2000s before and nobody was streaming it wasn't a thing
0: right That's this huge. A thing that was
1: happening on like these little applets these little shitty applets on like websites that had buttons like the old quicktime player <laughs> right? yep. it was terrible uh, but i got to touch on that tech and I had a couple of jobs like that that led me to more and more IT-related jobs. So I stopped doing these kind of menial, no offense, because uh, some people love like labor jobs. It just was not my thing. I, yep. Like I'm an up-here guy. I'm not a here guy. Uh, so I got away from those kinds of labor jobs or repetitive service-type jobs, and I got more into a different kind of service job, which was mostly technical support. And that got my hands on more tech. So something that has really benefited me when I'm building this business or anything I've really done. You and I were talking about streaming tech right before we started recording is that I have this very strange collection of experiences as jobs uh, that give me these kinds of, um, they're not superpowers or anything. I don't think of them that way, but it it, it is not uncommon for someone to ask me, how do you know this? And then I'll recount like, Oh, I had this job and like, how many fucking jobs did you have, man? And I'm like,
0: (laughs) 64. 64, 64 of them. This is number 64. 65,
1: actually. So I've 65 <laughs> of them. Hopefully, I only have 65, but we'll see. Tanner that was
0: planning straight at the whole time. Yeah. Where he's like, literally, I'm going <laughs> to cherry pick every job to get the yeah. specific talent for. And people be like, well, like, how do I do this podcast commercial? Like, hot topic, one day yeah. a week, one day a week, hot topic. Like, literally, one day. This is how you do it.
1: <laughs> uh, so what ends up happening is that after all that churning and burning, and the thing that really enabled me to do it, I should give him a shout out because without this company, I would have not been able to do this. Uh, I worked at Starbucks like for ten years. For almost that entire time, uh, wow. I was a I was a barista at Starbucks. And Starbucks, for those of you who've never worked there, don't know, and they may not still do this, but they did at the time. Uh, you get full time benefits for part time hours. So if you could meet twenty awesome. hours a week, which I could on a weekend doing two back to backs, or like an open close, the clopen shift, the close open shift, uh, that you could, um, you could bank that twenty in a weekend, and I could have a full time job during the week. So there was never never a risk to me quitting jobs all the time. But, you know, the older I got, the closer to 30 I got, uh, so in my late 20s, I'd say, the less I wanted to do it. Because now I wasn't exactly young anymore. And I was old enough where people are like, I had to get real fucking creative with my resumes, dude, like, because I would have had some fucking crazy resumes if I didn't make, fudge some numbers, right? (laughs) Would have had some weird gaps or they would have been like, why are you moving jobs so many times? Um, And I just got kind of tired of having to do that. So I really started to focus on IT and I got a job at a company called TBC Corporation as a manager of a help desk. Didn't start that way, but that's what, what it became. And... That was where my IT career really solidified. This was probably like 2011 or 12. Uh, And I had just returned from, this gets back to this idea of me wanting to be able to do more with my life, right? Yeah. Right before I took that job. In fact, the the week I took that job was about a month before I would actually start the job. And I took the last month of 2011, which was the year after the Haiti earthquake happened, and I went to Haiti to do relief work because I was like looking for something. Like I was like, I got to... I got to get out of here. I got to do something that means something. And Haiti really, that experience of, like, I knew what Haiti was like intellectually. I'm like, it's a very poor country. It just had this terrible earthquake. People are super poor. Like, this, I like in my head, I know what this is like. And I was correct about that. Uh, sure. But it was different to actually experience it. So oh, remember, anything,
0: dude. Especially anything like that. It's yeah. total a totally different thing.
1: So, After coming back, the morning after I got back, the night we got back, we uh, flew into Miami, stayed in a hotel, had some drinks. It was very surreal to be in an environment like that after, like, eating goat and rice and climbing mountains for a month, right, or for a few weeks. Sure. And I – the morning I get back to my actual house in Boynton Beach, I wake up, and I'm like, I haven't been to Starbucks in a while, so maybe I'll go to Starbucks and I'll get a tea. I always get green teas. And I'm in line waiting to order my tea. And the line is like wrapped around the frigging thing because it's popular, right? Or that spot was. Uh, and this lady in front of me is just like arms crossed. <sighs> Can you believe this? Like complaining about the weight and shit. And, and in my head, I was like, this bitch has no fucking idea. Like she has no fucking <laughs> idea. Like it was a totally different. It, it, it really, that moment, probably only because I had, had just come back. It yep. was like a real big turning point for me in my life. Like just that moment. she let it out? No, no, no. I, w- I would never do that. <laughs> Backhander. I'm like, oh, what the fuck's <laughs> wrong with you? There's starving <laughs> children in China and poor people in Haiti. No, I didn't. I, wouldn't I was have getting that, but, pumped up. Yeah. Uh, but it really did make me think like I would have maybe gotten upset about something so stupid before I went. Maybe. Yep. I, mean, I don't think I ever did. But, I, but I'd, maybe up here I'd been upset about something stupid. And so then I started this job at TBC, and things didn't go really well. Things went well for my career there, but there, it was also my first time in a job where I was like uh, corporate America, and I had never done that before. Uh, clearly, I guess I quit every job. Every three weeks I quit a job, so yeah. I never had a, uh, I'd never had like a corporate job. And so I wasn't All used to the politics beast. or the structure, and I sure as hell wasn't used to being told what to do. Right, Like I didn't like to be told what to do. Uh, and I was really – Good at what I did technically, but I also had this very brash attitude of like, "Fuck you, dude! I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I'm gonna do what I want. I'm not gonna listen to you." And thankfully, my director was a really good guy who I still is is the greatest student. I'm glad to have met him because he was a real mentor to me uh, from a business perspective. Uh, but that job didn't work out, and I remember being very upset about it. And I wanted to leave, like in the same way that I wanted to leave when I left for Haiti. But I wanted to leave and just go start life somewhere else again because I was born in New Hampshire. My dad's company went bankrupt in the early 90s with that um, downturn in the market, Uh, and we went from living in rural New Hampshire in a very nice house that by most people's standards would be like an estate, Uh, but it was only affordable to us because it was in in rural New Hampshire. (laughs) Like there's 800 people in this town. It's still there. (laughs) Uh, And I mean it's still like – it's a half-million-dollar house now, but if you saw this house in any other setting, it would be a very, very expensive house. So sure. it was like we were living in a nice place, but only because we were living in such a, you know, bumfuck town, really, to, to put it in. And I love that place. I go back as frequently as I can, but that's kind of what it is. Right. So we go from living in this very, like, not the lap of luxury by any means, but a very comfortable life in a very quiet town, and like where we'd go to lakes for the summer. And uh, my dad's company goes bankrupt, and we move to Florida when I'm in third grade. And I do, wow. not, I do not like Florida at all. I hate Florida. Like, my blood never thinned out. It's the worst place ever. Everybody goes there to die. Nobody's in a hurry because it's always summer. Like, there's no weather coming to, like, make you hurry up and do shit. Everybody's in sandals all the time. And I had adopted this to, like, some extent, right, because I grew up there really right from, like, 11 to, I don't know, 20, I guess I was probably 27 28 when I left. Yeah. Uh, and I moved out to, my girlfriend and I literally Googled best places to live. And it was, it was a town called Broomfield, Colorado, but Broomfield was like not near anything cool. So we were like, ah, we'll go to Denver. So I move out to Denver and I pick up podcasting in Denver and I start a podcast called the no God cast. Now I started as like a, cause I'm, I'm, I'm like in a phase of my life where I'm questioning faith, belief. I'm, I'm kind of heady as an individual anyway. So I'm, I'm gravitating towards those kinds of conversations. Sure. Uh, and I just start a monologuing type podcast. I'm like, I, I mean, I go spend $80 on a mic. My girlfriend wasn't out there yet. I was kind of like setting up for her to come out. And I did like five episodes. And Ricky Gervais, who is a you know, well-known personality and atheist, sees the show and retweets the show. So I go from having zero listeners <laughs> to having more than zero listeners. And I'm like, ooh, 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 I could like do something with this. Like maybe people like this. I could do some stuff. So this is, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an extremely ambitious person. So the first thing I do with any hint of success, right, any hint of success, especially then, uh, is I start looking for ways to spend money on this silly thing that I've just started because it's, like, okay. getting popular. <laughs> uh, and so I partner with a local studio, and I start funneling, like, my day job money <laughs> into making this podcast something. And I grew this to, like, 100,000 subscribers. Uh, ca- caveat to that, the metrics back then really sucked. Right, like so it might have been ten thousand in reality. But like when you're in the webalizer stats, because it's the only way you could track any traffic by then, you're like, oh my god, so many visitors. But it's, it's still significant no and,
0: matter what, dude.
1: Yeah, Even right, ten well, thousand significant. Yeah. And plus I didn't me. have the I didn't have the context of today of knowing that the metrics were shitty. Uh, so I managed to finagle my way into interviewing a lot of people whose names are not, not notable. Uh, and becoming known within that community as this guy who kind of had these very measured conversations with people. Uh, But that community is not very measured in general. Uh, I'm an atheist. I'm still that way. But there was a big part about that community that was very angry, which is understandable because, you know, the largest segment of any activism is usually rooted in some kind of anger because they're mad about something. Right. Uh, And I'm just not a very, I don't get angry. Like a lot of people are angry about the election. I'm like, no, I mean, I'm, I got shit to do. I'll go vote and then whatever happens, I guess we're just going to have to deal with it. I'm not the guy that gets really worked up. That's just not my character. Uh, I, I voice my opinions by like donating to things, right? Like I'm not going to go hold a sign, but I'll certainly give you some money to support the cause because I agree with it. I'm just not a person who can get upset or excited. And so there was an element of my show that was very popular because I was that in an environment that wasn't that. But this was also like 2012, 2013. Sure. And so this is when this kind of like where you'd start to see like gate at the end of things. Like there was Gamer Gate and there was like Elevator Gate. And there were all like these things that people would get very upset about, these moral atrocities, these outrages. And all of a sudden my show wasn't really – like a thing that people really wanted to tolerate because it was so moderate, right? It was so like we had Ray Comfort on and then we would have an atheist come on right after him and they would be like, why didn't you like beat up Ray Comfort more? And I'm like, I don't know, because he's probably a nice guy. He hates people who have abortions. I'm like, yeah, I know, (laughs) but that's just a stupid opinion. Like, what do you want me to do, beat him? I just couldn't, (laughs) I I wasn't the, I was no longer right for that community. And it was frustrating to me because I wanted to be. So th- I started a business throughout that whole thing called Secular Programming, and I started a live streaming radio uh, station called Secular.fm. I started a magazine. Uh, I, was, of course, had the podcast, and there was something else that I did that I can't recall, but it was it was like this very ambitious first run into like owning a proper business. I'd owned a couple before, but they were like, I was in college, and they were rinky-dink, not really businesses so much as like just LLCs and, uh, or DBAs and and so I made a real big effort here and I just kind of got pushed out cuz I wasn't a right fit for the community and frankly I didn't want to serve it anymore cuz it just felt like it wasn't a community that it's I not wanted to be of. It's not clicking with anymore.
0: like who you are authentically yeah. and you're like I right. can't not be myself and I'm I'm channeling this topic as right. me and if you're not clicking if you're if you're wanting something from me that's not me then like we're not right together.
1: I would have not been smart enough at the time to put it that way. In fact I was quite pissed, but uh but now, looking back on it, yes, I mean, sure, I have the benefit of the years between me and it happening. Uh, but there were some other things that, that I realized in that time, right? For one, I was a really bad boss. I was not good at—I di- I hadn't learned the lesson that if you're the boss and you're working 60 hours on the project that you're passionate about, you can't expect the other people to be that passionate because they're not the same as you. They're not—not they're, not to say they're not as talented as you, they're not as vested as you. I don't care as much as you. You can't ask these people to work 60 hours a fucking week. And that cost cost me some friendships during that time. I also learned that I was really had a knack for kind of being the guy who was like, Oh, a crazy idea that probably won't work. Fuck it. Let's try. And then I had, and then I had a pretty good success rate at doing that. Uh, And of course my podcasting and engineering skills grew. So when that business uh, ended. My girlfriend and I had been in Denver for a little over a year, and this kind of happens at the same time. So the dates are a little muddled, but sure. uh, she's really missing home because she's a Florida girl. She's always been in Florida. She really misses her family. and I'm like, I don't want to go back to Florida because I just left. It's a failure to go back. I just moved away from home. Right. You're I'm sure you've experienced some kind of emotion like that. You're like, oh, I just went out to make my fortune and now I have to come home like a loser.
0: You have to like, uh, explain it. You feel like yeah. you have to explain like why you're making these choices, but like you shouldn't have to.
1: Yeah. hundred uh, percent. So I say, okay, we can go back to Florida, but I don't want to go back to where we were. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. Uh, let's go somewhere else. And so we wind up renting this gorgeous little house in um, St. Augustine. And I go back to working an IT job. And I hate it. Oh, my God, I hate it. It's the worst. I had some IT jobs out in Denver, of course, too, because the podcasting, I I had no idea how to monetize anything at that point. Sure. Uh, So it was really just a passion project. Uh, And I just hated the job. It was, I don't know if you've ever been to St. Augustine, but it's a tourist town. There's not a lot there if you're not a waiter or a bartender or like some like you you run the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum or some shit or you drive <laughs> a trolley like it's a it's a tourist place. And so I was very lucky to find this um, IT company there that was located in an airport and hired me. But I was miserable there, and I wasn't really quite sure at the time, like why I was miserable there. I just didn't like it. The boss was like. Didn't really like him, but I was still clashing with authority in general. So it could have just been me. Yeah. Uh, and eventually that. my girlfriend still misses home home. And so after about a year of being in St. Augustine, we moved back to where we started. And I'm like bummed. Right? And I try to escape this being bummed by starting another podcast, which was also successful, <laughs> uh, but was in a completely different direction than the first one. Kind of ironically. So this podcast was called Legends Myths and Whiskey and it grew to about 15,000 subscribers and the metrics were much better at this point so I knew that, that was true. Wow. Um, and I had monetized it a bit a little bit. I was making a few hundred dollars, but I was working in an IT, you know, a few hundred dollars a month and I was working as an IT guy for, for the during the day. Sure. And and I started to get that itch of like wanting to make it more. Like I said before we did the, a streaming radio station. We did the uh, the magazine and we, like all that, like I was like, oh, we got to do more, more, more. I'm very much that guy. Like my ambition can get way the fuck ahead of me. Yep. Uh, and so I start to uh, create audiobooks, but I don't really know how to do audiobooks. Like I have the equipment and I can record and I can read. So like I would make the recordings, but then when it came to distributing them, I didn't really understand how to get them on Amazon. Like, I didn't really get at that point from an engineering standpoint because I hadn't learned any of the science of audio engineering. I was just like, um, they're know, picky, and, man.
0: Yeah. You know, um, they don't mess so, around. They, they want very specific audio, in, right? Or they will reject it over and over.
1: So I couldn't figure that part out yet. And I'm like, well, I still want to get it on Apple. And I think you can probably still find our Beowulf. Um, we, we ended up calling these things. They were, I would take these old myths, I would read them. I partnered with this guy who I'm still partnered with. Uh, in a not in a literal sense he's not a business partner but he's someone i work with he's a composer his name is nico vertese he writes custom music for podcasts and so at that point in his career he was just starting out and i was the first guy to like pay him a recurring amount of money every month and what he would do is he would write music for my podcast so i brought him in to add a soundtrack to the audiobook of like beowulf or perseus we were all in this mythology stuff uh, and what you wound up with was a very high quality—at the time, for me, it was very high quality—audiobook uh, that had a full soundtrack to it. Cool. Of, co- of course, even if I could have figured out how to get it on Amazon, they wouldn't have taken that. <laughs> so that's when I discover Bandcamp, and I start producing more of these. You, you've used Bandcamp, probably?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I use Bandcamp and use DistroKid, and I wind up getting the audiobooks almost as if they're music albums. Onto mm-hmm. Apple Music. Yeah. Of course, nobody buys them because nobody's looking for a Beowulf <laughs> audiobook in the music <laughs> section. I do the think it's a new Beowulf still there, album. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really sharpened my skills during that three year period of time. We're back living in Boynton. We have a house. Um, we have a dog that we've adopted since Denver. He's a real pain in the ass. We still have him. We love him. Uh, but he's a little escape artist. <laughs> he's crazy. Oh, man. Uh, and, and during that time, I get better. Right, because really up until that point, I was hacking at everything as far as audio engineering was concerned. Uh, But I also have like that imposter syndrome thing going on. You never think you're as good as you actually are. You think you're like 10 times worse than you are. So I didn't have an accurate reflection of how talented I was, uh, but I certainly wasn't as talented at it as I am now years later. But some other people noticed that my podcast quality was very high in comparison to what was coming out at that time. Sure. Uh, so they reached out to me and they said, Hey, we'd really like you to start editing our podcast. I'd never edited a podcast for money in my life. And I sure as hell didn't think I was very good at it. And so I was like, um, you know what I'll do? I'll, um, edit your podcast for $30 an episode. Like, I'm like, I'm like, i to make so much money <laughs> for $30 worth of editing. which is fucking <laughs> crazy. Never charge that little. Um, That's future Tanner talking to past Tanner. Uh, And they said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. And I was like, like, but if it sucks, you know, uh, like no hard feelings and just don't fucking tell anybody because I don't want everybody to know how much I suck. Uh, And they ended up liking it. So I had five clients that – clients, right, but um, that stay with me for a number of years. And we made a decision at some point to move in with Brittany's parents and stay in a a – camper that they had on their property so that we could stay there for a year we could save money and then we could move because she was awesome. very tired of being back in florida she kind of realized the benefit of being away from family uh not to say she doesn't care about her family but you know you, you gotta yeah, get away sometimes of course uh and and i really wasn't happy being back there anyway uh in florida in general and so we we're like okay well let's go live in a camper with a dog which was crazy don't do this uh and we'll save money for a year and then we'll move and so Dude, we this did that is- and Not to I'm, break you
0: at all, but that's like, I literally just spent a year renting one single room with a dog <laughs> and my wife in a friend's house to save money so I could get to the next step. Like, that's hilarious, man, to hear that you did that.
1: Dude, funny story. Uh, we left the dog. <laughs> we, we leave the dog in the camper like you leave him at home, right? And yeah. it's got this sliding panel, right? Like some campers have like a slide out to make it a little bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and. This slide out slid in while he was in there. Oh, it, did, it didn't. It didn't hurt him, but it freaked him out. So we had like the little oh doggy came and he was like, "Holy shit! What the fuck do I do?" He tried to like jump out a window. It was oh funny my in God. retrospect, but it was terrifying to watch because we were f- afraid for him. Like,
0: don't jump out the window, please. Yeah,
1: so move into a camper to save money, but don't do it with a dog.
0: An <laughs> <laughs> escape artist dog. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so, oh so God. we
0: move, and uh,
1: I take those clients with me. And I'm still at this, I'm still searching for meaning, right? Like this is still happening throughout this entire time. And I'm I'm making businesses and they're failing and I'm taking jobs and I'm quitting them. And I'm moving all over the country. Uh, And I'm still trying to really figure myself out. And at this point, I guess I'm, I mean, I don't know, I'm 37 now, right? So I guess this is like three years ago. Uh, And I'm like, man, I really want to get more meaning out of my job. I'm doing this IT work. I don't really like IT work. How can I do better? So I look for a job in Maine, and I find this uh, medical— Why
0: Maine? Why Maine?
1: Because I wanted to get back to New England, and New Hampshire is kind of notoriously difficult to find work in, uh, sure. especially in the winter. Uh, and in the same way, like Portsmouth, great town, uh, kind of like um, uh, St. Augustine, in that it's a little touristy. And if you're going to work in a restaurant or if you're maybe a legal office or a real estate agent, you know, it might be a good place for you, but yeah. not, maybe not for the IT guy. So I yep. looked at Maine and I, my dad owned a business in Maine that was the company that went bankrupt in the 90s. And so I had pleasant memories of like Mosier Island, Jewel Island camping during the summer and liking it. And so I was like, yeah, Maine. And it's like Denver, but it's not as dry. And the winters are terrible. I'm, I'm game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you'll find out. Oh, you'll find out. <laughs> Especially out there in Gray, man, you're going to get fucking like 10 feet of snow overnight.
0: I'm fine with it, man. I, I, I snowblow in a t shirt or like a sweatshirt and I just yes. drink a lot of whiskey. So yeah, there you go. That's what it does. I'm, it actually I'm, drops I'm your body it, temperature, but
1: fuck it, it works somehow. I,
0: I know that it does that, but <laughs> it seems to do the trick when <laughs> yeah. I I have like a sweatshirt from like my high school like wrestling team or something, something battered up and covered in crap, and then I have a flask full of, of bourbon and that seems to do the trick. So there you go. I'm good for it, man. Whatever cool. works,
1: man. You just numb it out, numb the cold out. Yeah. So uh, we we get to Maine, and I have a little bit of a hard time settling. Like I start out on Exchange Street, something happens that I won't go into here. A family matter, kind of keep that private. And we had to, uh, I had to relocate from that place to a room for rent place, kind of like in between. So I was there for like two months. Family event happened. I had sure. to move. Yeah. And then the guy I moved into the room with, he sold his house, so I had to move again.
0: Oh my god. How fast so after like quick?
1: Yeah, I'm like this is this is the universe's way of like getting back at me for quitting jobs. They're like, "Oh, we'll make you quit <laughs> houses, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> We're going to uh, tell you when you have to do things now cuz you're right. choosing so much."
1: <laughs> so uh so I I eventually get settled and Brittany moves Brittany comes up cuz I had gone I had gone out ahead of her again to kind of stabilize stuff and uh and I'm working at the United Way of Greater Portland. I kind of skipped over that. I found a, a job that uh, wanted to hire me. They flew me up for an interview. And while I was here, I kind of used that excuse to take another interview, which may be a little unethical. I don't know. Uh, but they knew. I guess they knew about it. So I guess it's not.
0: I don't think it's unethical, man. So, I, like seriously, with that stuff, it's like you got to do business, man. You yeah. got to do what you got to do.
1: So I uh, – the the two the jobs are between Spectrum Health, not the cable company, but the healthcare company, yep. and they're offering me like seventy five thousand, which is good. So cool. This is a good gig. It's not it's a it's not what I was making in Denver, but it was more than I was making in Florida. I'm like, this is a good move. But then I was like, yeah, but if I take this job, it's just going to be the same thing. Do I want to be in Maine and miserable doing the same thing? Maybe there's like some other way I could do work and make money. And so I just do a random Google for like nonprofit IT work, right? And I do hmm. this while I'm still in Florida before I've gone up there to be interviewed. I'm I'm uh waiting for the uh I'm waiting for the decision to fly me up. Sure. And I do a I do a Google search and I find United Way of Greater Portland is hiring and I'm like, "Oh shit. Much less money because it's a nonprofit, of course. That's how they work." And I'm like, "You know what? I would make $20,000 less uh if I could do you know, something that meant something. And so I thought I was thinking about Haiti and I was thinking about like how I knew what an IT job was going to be, but maybe the IT job would be different if the IT job was at a nonprofit. Sure. It wasn't. Uh, of course it wasn't because <laughs> an IT job is an IT job, right? And I didn't really know that much about the United Way in general. Um, it's it It operates in a way that raises money and then takes that money and disseminates it to uh, other nonprofits. So they're like a middleman in a way, which sure. makes them very businessy as opposed to very like in the thick of the trenches helping people. They have a massive impact because they have such an ability to, to collect money. Uh, but it's not really like what I think of. Like when I was thinking nonprofit work, I was thinking of like the work I did in Haiti.
0: Right. But that's not what this was.
1: Uh, and I should have known better. Well, you that. Felt, that it, you
0: that. felt it from the ground view, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, and so I knew almost immediately, like within a few months, that this was a bad choice. But now I'm in Maine and I've relocated my whole life. Uh, and I can't, what am I supposed to do? I don't know anybody here. I have no. I have literally not a single friend. My niece lives here, uh, but that's it. I'm like, I don't have a way to get out of this. If I quit this job, I really can't get another job. Like, probably not. Nobody knows me from Adam. I can't quit a job after three months of being here and somebody's going to hire me. So I'm walking out of uh, United Way's old building, um, like just one day randomly, and um, Ken Burns, who works there, was walking out with me. And there's a little ATM space. It's in the breezeway of like a building that's next to us that has a Camden Bank and a bunch of attorneys in it. And he points at this. He points at this ATM space. You know, the kind you need to use your card to get into. Yeah. It's just all glass. It doesn't have an ATM in it. And he says, well, that would make a cool little podcasting studio?" And I'm like. Shut up, Ken. The fuck do you know? That's a dumb thing. It's glass. It would never work. Stupid. <laughs> I, I don't say any of those things, but I'm thinking like, that's dumb. It's never going to work. <laughs> yeah. And then I get home and I'm like, well, I mean, I still have those five clients. And I mean, what could that possibly cost? Possibly. This like, little it possibly tiny cost? spot. It's yeah. like a little 60 square foot box. Yeah, it's glass and it's stupid, but it would give me really high visibility. And I could like maybe be a podcasting place right in the center of downtown. Okay. Which would be sick. Which would be sick, right. And it would be so cheap because it's an ATM rental. Like, how much could that be? Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I call the number on the sign, which is like Malone uh, Real Estate or something. Okay. And I'm like, uh, I have a really insane idea. Uh, can I talk to the owner of the building? now? It's odd that I would know the owner of the building, but my father, having had a business up here, I didn't know him, but I knew the name. And so I had some familiarity with with the family in general. And I knew that if I was going to get this to work, I needed to talk to the guy who owned the building, not the guy who was trying to like – Sell it out. Rent the space, right. Uh, So I go, well, well, can I talk to Tim? Uh, And I really want to tell him my idea. He goes, yeah, sure. I'll send you over to secretary. and You can chat and see if he's interested. So I read him an email. I go, Tim, I got a crazy idea. And, like, within minutes, he writes me back. He goes, I like crazy ideas. What's a crazy idea? And like, I go, <laughs> I want to put a podcast recording studio in your fucking ATM space. And he responds again almost immediately, and he goes, that's a fucking crazy idea. <laughs> like, he, he goes, I kind of like it, though, uh, because I'm trying to change kind of the, the face of Portland. I'm trying to update it a little bit. He, he owns a lot of property here. Um, a good percentage of all the buildings downtown are owned by, by his company. Cool. By extension, him. Uh, so... He says, yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you the place uh, rent-free for eight months. And wow. if it works, if it works, then we'll talk about what it'll cost. And if it does not work, then you got to pack up and you got to go. Uh, and no hard feelings. I'm like, that's a fucking deal. I'll take that deal. Uh, absolutely. Right? Like, oh, I'll yeah. take that deal. Uh, so he says there's a caveat. You know, it's in the Camden Bank building. It's... The attorneys that live in the second, third, fourth, and fifth floors are like, they rent all those floors. They're a lot of money for me. I can't piss them off. I have to ask them if it's okay. And so we spend about two months, I'm still at United Way, we spend about two months going back and forth, answering just like some, they sound silly as I ask them because like we're not lawyers, but the lawyers and the bank are asking questions like, well, will you be producing any pornographic material from the podcast studio? And I'm like, well... Yes. (laughs) No, of course it won't be. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Because you don't know what a podcast is. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Will any of it be very controversial? And I'm like, well, here are my clients. None of them are political in nature. uh, So I don't think so. Uh, They're kind of boring, actually. (laughs) So no. So then I had to mock up like a 3D thing in Google SketchUp. One of those weird skills I just have from working in technical jobs all over the place. So I made like a Google SketchUp and a CAD drawing to show them what I planned on doing with the space. And he said, okay, this is good. What about signage? What kind of signage are you going to have? So I had to mock up like a, like a glass decal and how I was – where I was going to put it and what it was going to look like from the outside because there's glass so you can see in. Yeah. And so we go back and forth for like two or three months and eventually the decision comes back is no because they just, oh. didn't, they just didn't want to do it. They, they thought it might reflect poorly on the brands of the attorney's office and the bank, which is like totally fair. What am I going to be upset that this guy tried and it just didn't work? Yeah. Of course not yeah however i'm also like one of those dudes who at this point in his life has failed enough times to know that you do not put all your eggs in one basket right uh so i uh i was looking for another place to be what i thought would be a studio b because i knew that i could edit stuff in there with a pair of headphones on i could figure it out right uh, but i wasn't going to have people in there right you get
0: you'd get it'd be small, you get outside noise, you get inside right. wrong noise, you know, yeah. but it'd be really cool. And it'd be like tons of attention for sure. Probably.
1: So I had, I was looking over in South Portland for a studio B, but like an alternative location where if like a client found me and said, well, I want to do this, but do you have a bigger place? Cause I want to invite some friends over and do a podcast. And so I found this co working space and, uh, the, like it was like 150 bucks a month to rent a desk. And so I had been doing that while I was waiting to hear if I would get this from this other guy. Uh, And I had socked a little bit of money away because I still have these five clients, right? And I'm just extra money because I have a day job. So I had socked away a few hundred dollars. And when the decision comes down as no, there's a whole half of the co-working space, the half that I now currently occupy, that is not being rented out because it's still under renovation. It's a pretty new co-working space. So again, this is like one of those examples of like having dumb luck and being in the right place and making a good decision. Sure. Uh, so I'm like, well, uh, there's a office down there, a dedicated office about, you know, 200 square foot. Could I rent that for like half price since the whole thing's not even finished? And he was like, yeah, to get you in there and have you pay a little more. Sure. So my overhead instead of like 800 was like 400, which is more than $150 desk. But that's not a lot of money for a rental, right? For an office, for a studio. No, not at all. And so I went to Home Depot and I started... You know, well before I went to Home Depot, I went to my five clients and I said, "And this is where I made the decision because I'm like, these are some things that have. This is like a good order of dumb luck, and maybe this doesn't happen again, and maybe I should take advantage of this kind of these serendipitous things that have happened." Uh, so I approach these five clients I have, and I say, "I'm already charging them like I'm charging them like 300 a month for an episode every week, so they're they're paying like peanuts, right? And I'm really yeah. just keeping them on for." I mean, it's like 1500 bucks a month of extra uh, spending money, so I'm not going to not do it. Sure, it's uh, you know, so great. It wastes a whole Saturday, but it's worth the money. Uh, and I say, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you pay for a whole year up front, because this is what I'm trying to do right now. If you pay for a whole year up front, uh, I'll give you 50% off. So you're paying 150 a month, but you're paying for the whole 12 months up front. Uh, and a percentage of them said yes, and the other ones said no and stopped being my clients, which was fine. So I took that money, which was a few thousand, and absolutely, again, stupid luck. Totally stupid luck. Some A person named Nancy Marshall, who owns Marshall Communications, which is the biggest PR agency in Maine. They have a lot of huge clients. Uh, and she somehow gets a hold of me through her assistant or something. And I had been doing a little bit of advertising. Like I'd been on uh, not paid advertising, but social effort. I've been on Instagram, I was live streaming my editing sessions at my little rental desk, like letting people know I'm working on podcasts, like fucking like, <laughs> trying to really like ham it up, yeah, yep. uh, and she had seen one of those or the assistant had seen one of those, and they had a podcast they were doing in house with a yeti in a conference room that sounded like shit, and they were tired of doing it like it was just too, it was complicated. she wanted somebody, she had money, and she just wanted the effort taken off of her plate, yep. And so she approaches me and now she comes into the studio which is the other studio behind me right now and he and she says This place is like barely has anything in it, right? Like I get this phone call. She wants to come in for a meeting. I'm like, I got to make this place look like a studio. (laughs) So I take take some of the money that I – because it's just a fucking empty room. I wish I had taken pictures of what it looked like before I changed it. It was like there was like old sewing machines in this fucking room. It really – there were paint buckets. It was not ready to be used for anything.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, So –
1: very quickly I get I go to Home Depot I build a couple of traps Uh, you know I spend like a few hundred dollars on lumber I mean not just on lumber but on like lumber and bat and I'm you know like just hustling to try to make this place look something different and so that when you walk into it you notice that the space is different like your ears hear it you're like oh it's quieter in here yeah Uh, so I was just trying to go for some kind of effect uh, to make the experience more like they were walking into a special place because she was coming in like three days or some shit and, uh, so I get, you know, it sounds, it, sound, it ended up sounding pretty good. It definitely sounded way better than it did. There was some paint on the walls. I hired a contractor to rip a couple of two by fours, stain them and make an accent wall the way you would like, would like flooring. Uh, and it looked like a pretty good little space and she comes in and she's sitting down and I just have a couple of shitty, like, uh, the space that was not done yet, like outside the studio that was on the other half of the co working building. Yeah. It uh, was a, uh, podiatrist office. So right outside my door was like this old school shitty fucking uh, <laughs> waiting area with like these old hokey waiting room chairs, right? So I just had like these waiting room chairs <laughs> pulled in. <laughs> this is where you <laughs> sit. <laughs> it was so Mickey Mouse, dude. And I had bought like a couple of Rode PSA1, um, the mic boom that I'm using right now, and I like a couple of Shure SM58s. So I spent like probably less than a thousand dollars, and I've got these these things like mounted to the. <laughs> the arm on the shitty chair and she comes in and I'm like oh this is really going to blow her mind <laughs> right? like I'm like pumped that I made it look good at all and she says well uh yeah I mean if you're going to do the editing we can record it here this sounds way better than uh than my than my empty conference room uh so yeah let's do it and she says how much do you charge and I was like oh, fuck, fuck 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 I'm like I will uh send uh, you uh, this yeah let me um let me put together a formal quote and I'll send it off to you and so she leaves and I'm like all right cool I'm going to what's my quote going to be my yeah so uh, I will not reveal her rate but because she's the first client she still operates at a very steep discount I, know, I love you Nancy it will never change uh, and I sent her the quote off and it ends up bringing in this won't really you don't know how many episodes she does so this won't give you the total number but she gets um, she pays me $9,000 for the whole year so I'm now I've just billed nine grand at my first client <clears throat> so I have a couple thousand dollars in my pocket from the pre-bill for the existing clients yeah. and I've got nine thousand dollars in my pocket from this new client and I'm like okay so this will work <laughs> like this like this moment where I'm like this is gonna work I guess yeah <laughs> uh, and and uh, but, but there was another problem right because what I had essentially done is I'd collected all my revenue and I'd promised 12 months of labor so if things did not work out I was going to owe twelve months of fucking labor, and I had certainly just taken on a client whom could very well sue me if I were to break that contract. Right?
0: Oh my god! Yeah. So,
1: so I was very highly motivated, and that was where I just started doing. I luckily she's a PR person, so like editing her podcast gave me a lot of ideas about marketing and PR in general. So uh, it was very serendipitous that she was the first client. Uh, Interesting. And, and you know, she put me in a situation where. I met a lot of people whom without her I would not have met, which is why she still suffers such a great discount or why she's gifted such a great discount, uh, is because she still has that benefit to me. So after working with her for probably about six months, I had not all due to her, but some in some part due to her, uh, I had signed like six additional clients and business clients in Portland. And then I just became, I'd gone to so many. Uh, Chamber of Commerce meetings and, like, young young business professional meetings and shit just to, like, schmooze, essentially. Have yep. two drinks, introduce myself. I'm the guy who knows about Podcast High. Uh, and then I became – I started to become the guy who, when people thought, how do you do a podcast? Oh, there's that, like – portland pod place down in south portland or something and so i just and so because i was the first to market because podcasting hadn't quite rounded the corner here yet because of some luck because of some good decisions because of a lot of risk taken on my part i wind up in a position where i've i've got a successful recording studio like literally it seemed as though it had happened overnight and in some ways it does happen overnight because there's a difference between the day before and the day after. So it does seem like it happened overnight, but it but, it, but all of what I just went over, like that whole 10 years, all those fucking things that happened, if those things hadn't happened exactly the way they happened, if I hadn't failed and learned and failed and learned and failed and learned and failed and learned, I could have never, I could have never made the decisions necessary or had the, you know, had the insight necessary to make the right decisions or to, to take the calculated risks. Uh, right. that, that I took to make this successful. So that's really been a long time of me talking. Uh, but there it is. There's all your info.
0: No, but I think that have a good night, everybody. <laughs> that's I mean that pretty much was our time. But but, but I think that uh, not every episode we get to actually take the time and say like this is legit all the things that happened to make that thing happen, and that's really important because you can say that to people. All the time, with like, hey, like, success is a ten-year thing. Like, hey, I've been working at this for blah blah blah. But like, until they hear like the amount of moving, the sixty-four jobs, the amount of like little pieces and things where like you had to switch and adapt and things like that for it to be what you want it to be, then you hit that point where you're like, okay, ten grand in the bank in like a matter of two weeks or something. Like now, I know that this is happening. Mm-hmm but that took all of that time and all those changes and all those jobs for that to be a thing like that's insanely important for people to understand that if they haven't lived that amount of time if like if you're if you're out there and you're early into this or you're out there and you're side hustling these are the types of things where you know like the resilience thing that Tanner brought up in the very beginning of the episode like i believe in that like like being resilient and being able to like survive honestly like survive that amount of time like my living situation before this like was not great it was not an easy situation but it's like it's something that i had to do to get to this next step i'm super pumped up on this next step and i'm sure that like the camper with the dog like wasn't a perfect situation but it's like no, yeah, it's great <laughs> you just do it you know what i mean like you just gotta make it happen then you find like the fun things like in that time and you kind of like humor that during it, and then, like, afterwards, you definitely humor it, because you'd be like, can you believe that, like, we aren't doing that thing now? And, like, that mm-hmm. was crazy, you know?
1: And, and I think it's important, since since we're now reflecting on, like, what, like, to reach the success is, like, it's not, success is not, in, in the kind of way that, like, happiness isn't, happiness is, like, a thing you feel when you get something you want. Like, you feel, like, this elation. But it's like sure. but contentment and happiness are very different things. And so, like, success and success has some kind of partner that is like happiness and contentment, but I don't know what it is. Um, Hmm. There's success. And then there's like prolonged sustained feelings of security, which is to me what success really is. So to perfect uh, or a chance to be completely uh, transparent, we invested very heavily at the end of our first year. We'd done like 130 thousand. We were like, "Yeah, we the royal we, uh, 130 grand in our first year." Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing! I should take some of this money and reinvest it, and I've been doing that like all year. I mean, I paid myself like twenty three thousand dollars in the first year of business. You know how hard it is to make 130 grand and pay yourself twenty three. You want to make more because you feel like you earned it, but if you do that, then there's no money for the business. Uh, Maybe we can have another episode about scaling. (laughs) We could talk about that because that was a tough lesson. Uh, But when at the end of 2019, we made this huge investment in this brand new build out. I can actually flip the camera around. I forgot I could do that. So you can actually see the studio that we built out right here. If you're watching the live stream thing, not the, sorry. Beautiful. Sorry, Instagram. Uh, So we built this and the room I'm standing in uh, and... And uh, we invested pretty heavily in that. It was like a $30,000 investment. We basically took all the profit and we spent and we made more. And so now we had two studios right next to each other. So we could do twice as much work because I'm like, oh man, 2020, that's going to be it, man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's That's our (laughs) year, baby. Yeah, that's
1: the (laughs) fucking, so we were like, well, this'll, you know, I'm talking to my girlfriend about it and she's like, well, this is going to make January and February like terrible. We're not going to have like any money. I'm like, yeah, but then March when the contracts renew March is going to be fucking amazing Uh, and March comes around COVID fucking happens and I am effed in my A dude like it was not good we almost went bankrupt like three times in the last eight months like no shit like we almost had we almost had to close the doors we actually had to close the original studio like now it's empty and it's just these two spaces now so success is not linear right there are peaks of like complete elation where you've done it and people, I think, tend to think that there's like a summit and then you're at the summit the whole time. You just stay
0: there and like that's the end of it and yeah. that you don't have to worry. And, and-
1: Well, this, this I think will be a good analogy uh, to, to tie sound into it. Dynamic range, right? The difference between your highest peak and your lowest valley, right? So to me, sustained success is like dynamic compression. It's like a compression of the signal so that you're making the peaks... And the valleys as close together as they can be, and the closer they are, they'll never be flat. It'll never be a plateau. But the closer they are, the more consistently content you are. And so that's what success is to me. And right now, I think that those uh, peaks and valleys are pretty, you know, pretty not as different as they used to be. Living in a camper, almost my dog almost fucking dying. Uh, Those those are those are huge (laughs) peaks and valleys, right? But now they're not so extreme. And I imagine that over time, as we get through this COVID thing, and conquer this or maybe we don't and we fail and i open another business in a year you know like those valleys and peaks get closer and closer together until the up and downs are pretty steady and life's feeling pretty smooth like to me that's what success really is is where the extremes are not intense and that really goes back to my personality where i'm just not an extremes guy (laughs) i tolerate them apparently very well but i don't want them Uh, so my goal is always just to have a nice easy uh Excitement and lull period that are not too different from each other. And, and success is not the point. Is that success is not this thing where it's just like constantly jumping on jets. Like we had Joan London in the studio from Washington Post. Uh, Washington Post came in as a client. We had literally Joan London. That was like wow. a fucking moment. And a couple yeah. mu- and a couple months ago, uh, we had uh, David Walton doing ADR at a at a par- at a studio we partner with, uh, doing for for a Hollywood film, and it was amazing, like, dude. And I was like, what? This is amazing, and that was a happy day, right? Those are like, oh, I'm so happy and excited, and this is a success. But then I went home and I went to bed, and I woke up, and then I was just the guy who on the podcast studio, right? So success and success is really just this feeling of that you're that you're in the right place, that you're doing things the way you want to do them. For me, this is my definition, uh, and that things aren't too hard, things aren't too easy. You feel challenged, and you can put. You know, you can put food on your table. It's not all highs all the time.
0: I like that definition, dude. Cheers. Yeah.
1: Should we let your people Cheers. know now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we can, man. Yeah, we can. I've got five questions that I ask inside there. You get to do that. Yes, that's I how keep we it short. It I'm sorry
1: I babble. Go ahead.
0: That's a, no, no, that's cool. We got five questions. You can answer them kind of like the top of your head. You don't have to go in depth on them. Mm-hmm. And inside there, you can definitely plug it up. There's one that's specifically to make sure people know where you're at. So, Okay. First question, we often get answered throughout the podcast, but I like asking it pointed for just like whatever people's thought is at this time is, why is this the thing that you wake up and do every day versus any other thing that you could possibly do?
1: Uh, It definitely is rooted in my complete inability to work for people who are not me. Uh, I have a, I have a massive uh, problem, not necessarily with authority, but I have a very difficult time uh, doing things for people who I don't think are better at the thing they're doing than I am. And uh, unfortunately, and this will sound like a humble brag, but unfortunately, I feel like that happens frequently. And I it's, very, it's just very hard for me to work with other people, super hard, for, to take orders from other people. Not hard for Same. me to work with people, uh, but... Yep. But so to work for myself is really the thing. That's the thing.
0: Makes me happy. Fair. I tell people I'm unemployable because (laughs) I I just I can always overperform, but I'm just not a good employee. Like I, I will always perform very well. Like I'm a high performer at every job I've ever had. But I always am in trouble because I'm like not passing in paperwork or I'm not doing a training or I'm not like, I just won't do things that in my eye waste time. Dave, why aren't you clocking in? I only do the thing. Why aren't you clocking in,
1: Dave? You fucking know I'm here. You see me. (laughs) You see me. I'm here. You You
0: saw all the numbers that I generated or you saw whatever thing that I did for all the things that I'm outputting. You can see all the output. Yep. Yeah, exactly, dude. I get it. All right. So. Along the way, we're talking about five years ago you or five years ago me, whatever it may be, but what is, say you could take what you've learned and like automatically, like magically put it into someone so they didn't have to actually live the experience, like the Haiti experience where you had to live that and like feel it, right? So they didn't have to do that. They could just learn the lesson. What is the biggest mistake that you've made along the way that you tell someone like, hey, automatically learn this lesson because that was mega for me. That was huge. But like, don't do this thing if you could automatically learn it.
1: Uh, I would literally never do that. I would never do that. And I'll justify this. I've had this opinion for a very long time. It hasn't changed in in the years that I've had it. Uh, I wouldn't tell my younger self or anybody else right now struggling a, a fucking thing because I am not a person who thinks if I knew, I would have been better off now. I'm a person who thinks that because I fucked up and because I didn't know, and because I had to learn the hard way, and I didn't mm. learn it in a book, or I didn't have a coach tell me, but because it was learned and lived experience, I think that's the reason why I am where I am, for better or for worse. And I wouldn't want to gamble somebody else's success on trying to save them a shortcut. I don't think shortcuts are good. You can tell I'm sure. to be a real jerk of a dad. <laughs> Help me with my no. homework. Fuck, <laughs> you do it yourself. Fail. <laughs> no but but I mean like, like to some extent yeah i don't i don't really like to do that. If I had to say something, I would say, um, just don't fucking listen to what other people think about don 't seek uh the approval of other people that 's a pretty good one, uh, because they are probably not going to get it. most people who don 't like especially if you're an entrepreneur, Jesus Christ, uh, I cannot tell you, and you will learn this as you get older and become more successful uh People who have never owned a business or have never hustled the way an entrepreneur entrepreneur hustles, they do not get it. They don't understand. They're, they're not, it's not that they're stupid. It's not – none of that. They're, they just cannot possibly understand how important this is to you. They cannot see this the success that you envision. They don't Oof. believe there's any way to get to something so silly. Uh, and – They will, they will in a, you know, and there's a second part actually. So don't listen to those people. And then also, um, people who love you don't want to see you suffer. And so your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters and your friends, when they see you starving and eating noodles and struggling, they're going to tell you to quit because they don't get it and they don't understand how important it is. Do not listen to them. They don't understand. That would be the best advice I could give without ruining your success, dude. Just be like, "Fuck you, mom." (laughs) Don't say that. Don't say that.
0: (laughs) So Tanner's saying, "Hate your mom and hate (laughs) all of your friends." (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Can that be the quote you pull in the audiogram? Hate your mother, (laughs) Tanner. (laughs) Of the Portland pod, here's his telephone number. The
0: show notes is just like the Portland mom hater. Yeah, right. It's just
1: (laughs) hashtag hate your mom.
0: (laughs) Oh my god! I will not do that. All right, so that was on point dude i I am not going to hash out any of that because i am I really enjoy that i This probably will be the audiogram, honestly, like I really like that. You might have even said it in that one statement, but I usually ask people on the flip side like what's the best thing that you've ever done sometimes mm-hmm. that is the oh, same. like for myself what's the best idea you've ever had
1: uh, about Something that helped me be successful. Um, Anything? You know, I think the best thing I ever figured out, it wasn't an idea I had, uh, but it was looking at how I price myself differently. This is like a super big moment for me. Um, I I have a friend here who's a business coach. He's not my business coach, but we chat, and he sometimes gives me advice, so he's unofficial in that capacity. His name's Jacob Coldwell, uh, and he owns a coaching company called The Mountain Pass Way. Uh, Wrote a a book called Before You Begin that I actually did the audiobook for. Uh, Good guy. Very stoic. Uh, If you're into that kind of idea, you should check him out. Uh, And we were having – of course, I live in Maine, so we were having oysters. And we were talking about my uh, growth problem because I had one. I couldn't the problem was that I was charging a rate that by the time I needed to hire help, because I would be too busy, I didn't have enough money to hire help. And so it stopped being about pricing things at what I thought I deserved to make and started being about pricing things at what was necessary in order for me to hire help when I needed it, which then sure. which then grew into, so I need to charge arbitrarily this is not what i charge i need to charge five hundred dollars an hour because if i don't charge five hundred dollars an hour then by the time all my hours are taken up i don't have enough money to hire another me and then that extends because when the other you is also at their capacity you have to hire another person you have to have money to hire them and it's like this daisy chaining of always having more money in the kitty than you need and i think it's a big It's something that people really miss when they first become business people because eventually you'll go from entrepreneur to businessman because an entrepreneur is somebody who is always starting a new thing and hustling it and getting it to work and then they move on. When you stop being that, you start being a business person, a business owner instead of like an entrepreneur or an employee. Something that folks really miss and that uh, that garners a lot of negative attention to business in general is like – when someone hears that I made one hundred and thirty thousand dollars in my first year, they think this rich fuck because they don't they don't see they see the money, but they don't understand that. Oh, but he only paid himself twenty three thousand dollars. Why? They don't get they, because they don't know how business works, which is another reason you shouldn't listen to people who don't own businesses, which is another right. piece of advice. They see one hundred and
0: thirty thousand. They're like, oh, he's just hanging out, just doing yeah, that. Like he's making. They don't figures. see what you're. You have to do and what you 're doing with it, yep. and honestly, even if you get straight up one hundred and thirty thousand from something that you hustled and created that 's not a wrong thing at all
1: if you 're making that much it 's probably true that your gross revenue is like half a million because it really is in order to scale properly unless you just always want to be trapped by your own creation, uh, then you always need to have about probably only need to commit like forty percent thirty percent to actually paying for staff, and the rest of it needs to go to like overhead and and putting away for like upgrades and equipment and shit so when i stopped looking at my pricing as a way to like give me the money i wanted to make and made it about a greater mission uh, and being able to hire people and grow the company and offer benefits and pay for those things and like dude if you never fucking pay payroll tax holy shit guys you're in for fucking surprise the first employee that you hire uh it's like it's like it's it really advances you from thinking about me 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 to thinking about this isn't about me as an employee this is me as a I have to become more than one employee, then I need to step back and I need to become the owner. And then at some point I need to be able to step back and someone else is the operator and I'm the silent partner. Like, and if you don't think about that, then you never escape your job. Sure. You're going to wake up from work and you're going to go to bed (laughs) at work uh, if you don't learn that early on. So, so there you go. That's a good one.
0: Cool. All right. So, Last one before we get where you keep up with Tanner would be, what's a resource you'd recommend to the audience? Could be Ooh. podcast, audiobook, book, book, video, whatever, anything that you, any medium that you want.
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of, of course, anybody who's an entrepreneur is a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, but I like Gary Vaynerchuk because he really he's very blunt. Uh, and some people don't like him for that. But I think the overall mesh, message from him is when I found him, uh, he was doing Wine Library TV. Uh, I think I caught like his sixth episode. I've been following him ever since. He's always, he's always wow. been a guy who just really knows his shit and has, has, worked, the, has worked the hard work uh, and has lived the shit life and has sacrificed in the same way that a lot of us uh, sacrifice and a lot of us quit. And he didn't quit. So I think that his content's good. It can be a little bravado. He curses a lot. Um, so he might not be your cup of tea. But if you can distill out the advice he's giving and the general attitude, it's good. Uh, and then also oddly related to Gary Vee, but not his product. Something I discovered through him is a text messaging app called Community that you can find at community.com. Uh, hmm. And they give you a local number, and then you can get your followers to uh, – they text you. And it's basically SMS marketing. But it can be group or one-to-one, uh, and it comes direct to your phone and goes direct to their phone, and it's pretty cool. It's actually kind of fun. Uh, I use it for a small podcast production that I use to keep in touch with the listeners. Uh, you can use it in a number of ways, uh, but it's a very intimate way. Uh, to keep in touch with the people who follow your stuff. So community.com. I would definitely check that out. No, they don't sponsor me in any way. I just really like it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean I get I'm actually funny enough, I'm on Gary Vaynerchuk's community text. That's great, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, like it's I'm on with it. Gary, it's I like it. you get fucking messages every five minutes, but but you don't have to yeah. use it like that. <laughs> He's like, Buy this new empathy wine and I'm like, God damn it, Gary, <laughs> I've got too much fucking I wine, do. dude.
0: <laughs> i still love it though dude i just love getting them <laughs> it's just like in an airport or like mm-hmm. doing a front flip or something and you're just like all right
1: yeah and and you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to be you know gary Vaynerchuk or beyonce to use that tool it's uh it's 50 bucks a month so it's a little bit of a expense but it's not a huge one uh and if you're somebody who really values engagement then it's worth its weight
0: really cool absolutely Awesome. All right. So last is the easiest, Tanner. Like, Where do people keep up with you? Where do they keep up with Portland Pod? Where do they see where to find you at? Uh,
1: Sure. So uh, PortlandPod.com. You can always reach out to me, Tanner at PortlandPod.com. If you're looking for advice, there's a couple of, I need to put a caveat in front of this. Don't everybody rush to it and fucking do this because there are limited spots to do it. Uh, But before that, you can see the blog at uh, medium.com forward slash Portland Pod. Uh, I write there very, pretty regularly, maybe not always once a week, but then sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, there's always something there, uh, I think, of value if you're in the podcasting space and you're looking for ideas, marketing, uh, things like that, growth, especially uh, good advertising plans on there too, like ad budgets, five bucks a day, grow your podcast, that kind of stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, then if you go to portlandpod.com forward slash 1-5 as in 15, uh, you can book a free 15-minute consult with me. I, I allow for four of these a, day, uh, a week. Uh, and so if you get there and there's no spots available, it's because they're already booked. Uh, but anybody who wants to sit and talk shop about their podcast that they're going to start or their podcast that they need help growing, uh, talk with me for 15 minutes. I got, I got off one today that <laughs> ran for like a fucking hour. So if I have nothing that happens after that 15 minutes, I usually let it run long. Uh, but I'm always happy to sit and chat and answer some very specific questions that you might be struggling with, with, uh, with your podcast. So, um, yeah, do that. Portlandpod.com forward slash one five.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. For those out there, I saw Tanner speak at the NH podcast meetup. He's a really smart dude. He obviously knows this. And I even have an episode on this podcast, encouraging you guys to start a podcast or content. So, if you've been thinking about it, if you are in that way, take advantage of it. He is a great person to chat with, as you hopefully can tell if you've reached the end of this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a long one, man. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> no, man. I've had longer. It's cool. It's cool. We hit it. We hit it normal. So all right. Well, thank you for being on episode eighty of the podcast, Tanner.
1: Ooh, eighty. Cool. A nice round
0: number. A big one
1: too. Eighty That's man. Awesome.
0: If you're weird on those odd numbers, you didn't hit it. So <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not at all. No <laughs> yeah.
1: superstition here. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me, man. And uh, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I don't know if you talk about it uh, on the podcast, but behind the scenes, I was told of some very exciting things this man is working on. And uh, I wish him the best of success because I think it's going to really, really take off here, especially where he's at.
0: All right, guys, that's going to do it for episode 80 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Hopefully you guys had a good time hanging out with Tanner and I. He has a lot of good knowledge on way more than just podcasting, and he's really fun to talk to. So we're happy to have him on. I am right in the middle of getting this property set up here. We have things livable up here, and uh, we're starting to renovate now. So if you want to see some of the -the behind-the-scenes of everything I'm working on up here, Meg and I are going to be going pretty hot and heavy into YouTube here to document the journey. So uh, we just did a post recently with some some high quality pictures that Zachary James photos took for us and just announced that this is actually happening here. But if you want to kind of tag along with the journey here, ask questions, see what we're Up to and all the shenanigans and crazy shit that we're running into at this property because it's just absolutely absurd here. Then uh, check out the show notes below and the links on everything. It has our YouTube URL. We're not at 100 subscribers, so it is just a URL, but you can find us if you've been listening to us on YouTube or look up on YouTube, Waking Up from Work Podcast. You'll find us right away, but we are aiming to get that channel up to 100 and get our own URL and, and really be documenting pretty much everything we run into. We're going to be super transparent on the finances, like what our plan is to raise money, You know, the construction, the renovation that we're actually doing, the process of buying, the process of, of cash flowing a business and starting a business and all these Different pieces to this one big property that we have here. Uh, we're going to be real transparent with you because there's going to be some stuff that really sucks for us that we are going to share so it doesn't happen to you too, and some things that are going well that we also want people to do well with. So check out that link. Subscribe now if you want to hang out with us. There we are hanging out this week with Jonathan Hilliman. Might butchered his last name. Hopefully he'll let me know. He is an NFL running back, a musician, and a photographer. So, right up our alley in a ton of different ways. And I really thought the blend of what he does is really fucking original. So uh, we're excited to have him on on Thursday. If you want to join live at Dave Wake Up seven thirty on Instagram, we'll be live with Jonathan. And uh, yeah, we've got some cool shit in the future, guys. So really excited going after episode one hundred heading up towards it. So thank you guys for listening so long today and uh, looking forward to walking through all this shit with you guys. Thank you for listening. Peace.